My name is Jake Schwanitz. Usually I am joined by my co-host Johnny Rich. He's not able to join us this week, so it's going to be a solo show. You're stuck with me. A lot to get to, though, in college and NFL. No games in college this week. We do have the Army game. game. Uh, I guess we could throw a little pick out there for that. But college is just going to be all news. We've got the Heisman and uh, several other awards to get to. Senior Bowl list. NFL. We've got the Packers firing Mike McCarthy. Also in the NFL, we're going to deal with the Emmanuel Sanders injury and how the Broncos are coping with all these teams. I also got that that team. And then, of course, we have our highlighted games of the week. We're going to pick against the spread. Some analysis with that. Pretty jam-packed show, but we're going to try and keep it short here. We're going to start off with college football. The headline of this week was Urban Meyer stepping down from his post at Ohio State handing the program over to Ryan Day. Ryan Day was the coach the first three weeks of the season when Urban was dealing with that suspension from the whole Zach Smith situation. Pretty out of nowhere, I guess, for Urban Meyer to step down. He does have the health issues. He did cite that reason as to why he's stepping down, so hopefully he's getting healthy there. But as a coach, I'm glad that this guy's gone. Uh, as, as a Michigan fan, it's been brutal playing against this guy the past couple of years. Harbaugh just has not been able to beat him I do have my doubts, though. Is this really the end of Urban Meyer's coaching career? The guy's only 54, which is very young for a coach. And he's just a high-profile coach, and he can coach at multiple places. I mean, he's coached in the SEC at Florida, coached in the what is now the Pac-12, I guess, what used to be the Mountain West when he was coaching at Utah, and then Ohio State. Also used to coach at Notre Dame as a wide receiver. Who knows? If another big opening pops up, wouldn't be surprised to see Urban Meyer step back into the fold and rejoin the coaching ranks. But it looks like we're going to see him step away for now. Also, awards have been coming out the past couple days. Uh, the Heisman Trophy will be announced tomorrow night. It's down to two guys now. It's the same two guys we talked about last time we did a solo show, uh, Tua Tungavailoa and Kyler Murray. It's pretty crazy to watch this uh, script flip, though. It seems like this was Tua's award to lose. I made that case for... Kyler a couple weeks ago, it just seemed like a, like a shot, of, shot in the dark at that point, but it really seems like Kyler's made some ground up here. Um, a bit to Tua's fault, though, with the injury in the SEC championship game. That just, I think, proved a point that I was trying to make, that Jalen Hurts came in, and this team just kept on running. If not, they looked a bit better. Uh, Tua was not able to get anything going in that SEC championship game. He was missing passes. Obviously just did not look healthy. He's been dealing with injuries all year. Wouldn't be surprised to see if Tua gets some off-season surgery or something on those ankles and knees. He's just been taking a beating. But Jalen Hurts comes in and wins the SEC championship and saves Bama's season. I, I think that's where we start this Heisman argument, though, is how can you give it to the guy that isn't really the best player on his team? There's just so many good players. Uh, you look at Jerry Judy, the wide receiver. He just won the Bolitnikoff Award, which is for the best receiver Jalen Waddle has been playing out of his mind. He's a true freshman at wide receiver. There's just weapons all over the place. He's got two NFL backs. I think this really proved the case that Tua, might, while he might be the best quarterback in the country, he also did win the Walter Camp Award. Uh, should It's worth noting the last five winners of the Walter Camp Award also won the Heisman. So he does have some momentum there. Kyler Murray did win the O'Brien Award as the top quarterback in the nation, though. So I think it really is a toss-up. I wouldn't be surprised either way who wins it. Uh, personally, I would still vote Kyler Murray. Johnny seems to agree with me too. He said that uh, 
Kyler had better stats than Baker. That's a good point as well. He also kind of carried his team more than Tua did. You saw in many games, Kyler Murray just putting the team on his back. You look at the West Virginia game, uh, the Big 12 championship game, the Army game. All these games were won because of Kyler Murray. I think that is his case to win the Heisman. It's going to be fun to watch on Saturday, though. Well, I guess I won't really be watching. The Heisman trophy ceremony is terrible TV, but I'll be looking at my phone waiting for the notification, I suppose. Other college football news, the Senior Bowl invites have started to be accepted. A lot of fun names here. I don't want to read through a lot of these. It doesn't sound like very fun radio, but um, we got to touch on some, especially the QBs. have to mention these guys. Just yesterday, Drew Locke accepted his invite, a huge Huge name for the Senior Bowl. He really needs to be down there, too. He can really help out his draft stock. Playing in that Missouri wide-open offense, really not a pro style. It's going to be interesting to see him in this pro environment. Scouts are probably going to be looking forward to that, too. Other quarterbacks, Ryan Finley from NC State, Will Greer from West Virginia, Trace McSorley from Penn State, Gardner Minshew from Washington State, Clayton Thorson from Northwestern, and another guy that I'm really intrigued by at the Senior Bowl, Jarrett Stidham from Auburn. Really high on a lot of people's radar coming into the year. Has kind of fallen off. I think it's product of his offense, though. It seems that Gus Malzahn's RPO screen Auburn offense just isn't what it used to be. It just doesn't seem as creative. It's a lot of the same formations, a lot of the same stuff. And I think Stidham's really had struggled because of that. Uh, you've seen teams just tee off on him, too. He's been getting beaten up behind that offensive line. It's going to be interesting to see him in this setting, throwing to other pro receivers, practicing with pro coaches. It's going to be very fun for all these quarterbacks. A great quarterback class at the Senior Bowl. Someone is going to rise like crazy out of this group, I can already tell you. Someone that Johnny has his eye on, another quarterback, Trace McSorley. Not on very many people's radars at all. Doesn't really seem very much a pro prospect to me, but going to the Senior Bowl can only help, so good for him. As Johnny mentions in the notes here, he's a natural-born winner and a warrior. Uh, kind of like that Baker Mayfield, just that hardened, just doesn't give a shit what you say. He's just going to go out there and perform, um, and perform under any circumstances. You saw him this year against Michigan uh, with the knee coming out and still playing. Guy is just so tough. Johnny kind of compares him to Colt McCoy. I could definitely see that. Uh, Colt McCoy, I think, is a really good comparison for him. But I don't know if he's going to really make an impact on the league. Uh, Let's get to some other names here on offense. The running backs that I'm looking forward to watching. My boy Karan Higdon from Michigan and Miles Gaskin from Washington. I think those guys can really make some noise there and help their draft stock out. The wide receiver list is also very intriguing. Uh, Anthony Johnson from Buffalo is a really awesome Wide receiver prospect has been producing there for a couple years now. Hunter Renfro, the hero from Clemson, who's been at Clemson for 87 years now, has finally declared for the draft. It's going to be fun to watch him at the Senior Bowl. He's someone who walked on Clemson as a freshman and has just blossomed into a team leader. It's a really fun story if you don't know about that. Hunter Renfro is a name to watch out for. Debo Samuel from South Carolina, pretty badass receiver prospect. Um, he does catch a lot of screens and stuff, but he's someone that I'll be intrigued to watch. And then David Sills from West Virginia, the former quarterback recruit from Lane Kiffin at USC, has made it to the Senior Bowl as a wide receiver. It's going to be fun to watch him. He's got crazy length and height. Um, someone that can pretty easily trans- transfer over into the NFL, I think. One of the guys I'm most intrigued to watch, though, 
Andy Isabella from University of Massachusetts. Um, short little white kid, but he might be the fastest receiver in the draft. It's going to be fun to watch him against these pro cornerback prospects too. So going to be good competition in Mobile. Some defensive players to look forward to watching. Jonathan Ledbetter, defensive end from Georgia. Josh Allen, linebacker from Kentucky. Juan Thornhill from Virginia. This guy's a safety I really like, a hard hitter, kind of an undersized guy, but he plays really fast. Drew Tranquil from Notre Dame. My guy Chase Winovich from Michigan. And then a name to look out for, O'Shane Zimenez from Old Dominion. He's kind of like Marcus Davenport from last year, that small school edge guy who really just dominated all competition, was a huge standout on his own team. You can just tell he's an NFL player playing way out of, I don't know, just playing against these players that are so much worse than him. It's pretty crazy. He can take over a game at that level. It's going to be fun to watch him against these Power 5 and Pro prospect offensive linemen, though. So that's going to cover the Senior Bowl. I'll actually be heading back down to the Senior Bowl this year. Got to figure out how to get there, but that is definitely on the radar. Senior Bowl is going to be a very fun event. Maybe we'll do a show from there for you guys or something. All right, going to move on to the NFL. Um, we're going to hit on the news first, and then we'll get into the games. We've got quite a few games this week. I think we have six. Uh, great slate. It's going to be a very fun week in the NFL. But going back to last Sunday, the Packers lost to the Cardinals on their home field. One of the worst teams in the league comes in the Lambeau field and beats Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Right after the game, the Packers fired Mike McCarthy and... This was a long time coming. The, you could just tell the relationship was wearing really thin between these guys, and it, it was just time. Um, personally, I don't think Mike McCarthy's that bad of a coach. I think he'll be fine and find another job easily this offseason. Johnny, not so much. On the other side, um, you know, he really came in as a great offensive mind, a cup, uh, what was it, 2006, and really looked ahead of his time and a bit, like, not too innovative like the Sean McVay's, but he was someone that really got. Aaron Rodgers and uh, Brett Favre throwing the ball around. Brett Favre was late in his career when McCarthy came in, and Brett Favre started to play some of the best football of his career at that point. And Rodgers, of course, just the ascension that he had under McCarthy, it's undeniable. So the reason he was fired, obviously, was the offense just looked old. It looked ancient, uh, did not look any in, and it hasn't gotten any innovation at all. Over the past few years, it just doesn't look like an offense in 2018. You know, you watch the Sean McVays, the Kyle Shanahan's, the uh, Naggies from Chicago, the Reeds from Kansas City, those offenses, they just look way more fun and innovative than the stuff that the Packers have been running. And I think that's really gotten to Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> funny thing, Johnny said that uh, he likens McCarthy to when Trent Richardson said in an interview he forgot how to play football. He's saying Mike McCarthy forgot how to coach football. Wouldn't go that far. But still funny nonetheless to just see how this guy fell off a cliff so quickly after being one of the best coaches in the league for a while. Names to look out for for this position. Um, a lot of veterans being thrown around. Bruce Arians was one also. He said that he will not take any job but the Browns job. He's reiterated that multiple times too, so that's something to watch there. And then a few people have thrown out Jim Harbaugh again, of course. Colin Cowherd, Chris Carter... Paul Feinbaum, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why people don't understand the Jim Harbaugh situation at Michigan. The guy's working at his dream job. He's got his parents there helping him. His dad's helping him out with the program. He's got two little babies. He's living on the street that Bo Schembechler, Bo Schembechler used to live on. 
and he's just the coach of his alma mater. I don't see why he would ever want to leave uh, anytime soon. I mean, maybe in the near future, in five years from now. But after getting the team so close this year, now with Urban Meyer gone, why would he leave Michigan? He's just going to have a better chance, I think, to win the Big Ten next year. The name that I would look at is probably John Harbaugh more than anything, but still it seems like Lamar Jackson has really saved his job and kind of turned that situation around. It looked dire there for a bit, but we were telling him in the summer that Joe Flacco just does not have it. They have to get Lamar Jackson on the field, and what do you know? They put Lamar Jackson in, and they start winning. Other, game, other names to look at, Josh McDaniels, very intriguing name. You know, he's, it's very interesting with Josh McDaniels because of the situations in Denver and how he treated the Colts. But someone is going to eventually hire this guy to be a head coach. It's been rumored for a while now that he just wants to take over when Belichick leaves in New England. Who knows when that'll be. Still, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, that's not a bad situation either. I could see McDaniels jumping ship for that job. I think it'd be a great uh, combo, actually, too, with Rodgers. Two pretty great minds of football, and Josh McDaniels has shown that he can do some pretty cool stuff on offense as well. College guys to look out for, Matt Campbell from Iowa State, and, of course, the big dog, Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. Matt Campbell, uh, someone that I guess will kind of be taken seriously for some NFL jobs with the growth that he's shown at that Iowa State program. It's pretty remarkable to see. Still, I think he might need a couple years before he actually makes the jump. Struggled against Drake last weekend in a makeup game for Iowa State. Only beat them like 27 to 24. Drake, a Division II team. Don't know if you want to hire Matt Campbell to be your NFL coach just yet. But the big name, Lincoln Riley. Um, if there's a place for Lincoln Riley to go in the NFL, this has to be it, I would think. You got Aaron Rodgers. You know, you can get that great offensive mind in. This is the next. Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan type is Lincoln Riley. Once this guy enters the NFL, it's gonna you're gonna see a lot of cool new stuff out of his offense. And I would love selfishly, I would just love to see it with Aaron Rodgers. It'd be something magical, I think. So there's your names to look out for. Don't I mean the reason the Packers did this too was so they could have all this time to start the coaching search. You know, Cleveland's the only other team that doesn't have a head coach right now. So they're starting their coaching search earlier than most teams. They're going to get a lot more interviews than most teams, talk to a lot more people. The process is just going to be more thorough. So I wouldn't worry too much as a Packers fan. You're going to get the best of the best interviewing for you, and I'm sure that management is going to pick someone that Rodgers will have some kind of chemistry with. Big news coming out of the NFL a couple days ago. Emmanuel Sanders injured at practice, non-contact injury, tore his Achilles tendon. Huge injury for the Broncos. I don't, it's coming to a point where I don't know how many more injuries this team can afford. You know, They lost Emmanuel in practice last week. In the game last week, they lost Derek Wolf, Chris Harris Jr., and Josie Jewell. They're saying Josie Jewell and Derek Wolf are going to be okay. Still, this team has lost a lot of key pieces. Early in the season, they lost Ron Leary, Matt Paradis, Max Garcia on the offensive line. They also lost their top two tight ends, Jake Butt and Jeff Hyerman. And this isn't even including the trade of Demarius Thomas. The Emmanuel Sanders injury just it weighs huge on this team. Big leader on and off the field. Kind of the spirit of that team. It, it's such a heartbreaker to watch him go down. He was having such a great year. Really playing out of his mind, I think. You know, the stats didn't show it. But Emmanuel Sanders came into this year on fire. It's tough for this team, man. Just as they're starting to hit a stride here, too. 
They're kind of pushing for this wild card berth right now. Some very winnable games coming up too. This is the thing that's most frustrating about this. They finally get the favorable schedule. They are finally beating teams they should beat. And now everyone just starts to die. Just a very tough situation. It's hard to watch. You know, it's kind of rooting for this team to lose early in the year because I was hoping we could get a new coach and just kind of better the draft stock. Then we start winning. You kind of suck me back in and they had me believing in the team again. And then just this stuff happens. It's tough to watch with this team. Just nothing seems to go right on a consistent basis anymore. So hopefully Broncos are able to stay resilient and come away with the win. They are playing the Niners this weekend, uh, traveling back to San Francisco or I guess Santa Clara at Levi Stadium. Last time Broncos were there, they won the Super Bowl. So maybe some good vibes come back. You know, they still got Vaughn. Uh, Case has been playing okay. Cortland Sutton's been playing huge. Deshaun Hamilton's going to be the guy, though, that steps in and fills in for Emmanuel Sanders. It's going to be interesting to watch how he does. I really liked him as a prospect coming out, someone that had some really crisp route running and great hands. That stuff is easy to transfer over to the NFL, and it's stuff that can make you play right away. He did play 47 snaps last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. Was not targeted, though. Used primarily as like a blocker. That's one of the things also that scouts really liked about Deshaun was his ability to block. And they've kind of been using him as an inline blocker, motion him down to the tight end and use him on the edge to kind of secure that for them. So it's going to be interesting to see how he actually performs in the passing game this week. It was really disappointed he didn't get more targets last week with how much he played. But he's definitely going to be getting his shot here in these last couple of weeks. You know, if you're in the fantasy playoffs and you're looking for someone, I guess, to be a wild card, someone that may be able to blow up and kind of push you over the edge, I'd take a flyer on Deshaun Hamilton. I added him in two leagues just to see what happens. Um, So expect a zero catch, zero uh, yard performance again, I guess. But just tough for the Broncos, man. It's it's been a tough year. Hopefully we're able to get out of this stretch, though. All right, to the games. We've got six games this week, three early games on Sunday. Got a 4 o'clock game, and then the Sunday and Monday night football games. We're going to start in Kansas City, though. Baltimore at Kansas City. Kansas City is favored by 7. It's going to be the 1 o'clock game. Johnny here has Kansas City minus 7. I'm actually going the opposite side of that. I'm going to take Baltimore plus 7. This is the toughest defense Kansas City has faced in a few weeks. Of all the teams to hold Kansas City to their fewest point total all year, it's been the Arizona freaking Cardinals. Held them at 26 points a few weeks ago. It's worth mentioning that the Denver Broncos also held them at 27 in the first meeting at Mile High. So Baltimore, I think, can do some similar things as those teams, maybe hold them to around 30 points. The thing I'm looking at here, though, is how Baltimore's offense runs and this contrast in styles against Kansas City. With Lamar Jackson, it's obvious they've taken a run-first approach. Lamar Jackson's going to run the ball, and he's been magical with it in his hands, just as I expected at least. I know a lot of people did too, but he's one of the best runners, natural runners to come out of last year's draft, and it's shown on the field. He's going to run. The whole team is going to run. They're going to have these drives that are 8, 9, 10 minutes long, and the way to beat Kansas City is to have him not score The way to have them not score is keep that offense on the field, keep Patrick Mahomes on the bench. If Baltimore can string together a couple of 8-9, 10-minute drives, something around there, and take control of this game, I wouldn't be surprised to see Baltimore kind of steal one here. I definitely think they cover that spread, though, plus 7. I think the defense is too good, and with the contrasting styles, Baltimore's going to have the ball a lot more often than people think.
Second game of the afternoon, we have New England at Miami. One o'clock, New England's favored by eight. You know, this is the annual trap game for New England. One in four in the last five years at Miami. It's always been a place of trouble for them. Brady has always kind of played badly here. It's been one of those weird things. It's like Denver, the Giants, and at Miami. It's it's one of those teams that just they just struggle against. Johnny's going to go New England minus eight. And also mentions that Miami plays really well against the Pats. Uh, minus eight is a lot of points, though, but he's going to take them to cover. He, he says that uh, New England's going to keep up with seeding, and that is a good point that New England still has plenty of motivation to play balls out and to try and put up as many points and kind of build a resume, I guess, and just carry momentum week to week to try and uh, get another one seed. It's amazing that they're back in that conversation. Some other things to look at. Uh, this New England team is different than years past, though. It's not just Brady airing it out and all these receivers running wild. Gronk hasn't looked the same. He's kind of breaking down. Wouldn't it be surprised if he maybe retires after this year just with how he looks. But New England's winning with running game and defense. Xavier Howard on the Dolphins has led the league in picks now with seven. I just don't think Brady's going to give this team many chances to make plays on the ball. You know, he's going to do the same Brady thing, million paper, death by a million paper cuts, just check downs, check down, check down, taking whatever the defense gives you. But the running game and the defense is really what's going to win this game, I think, for New England. New England only allows 21.6 points per game, and Miami's been averaging only 20.3 points per game. I just think this is a bad matchup. I know it's not, it's a trap game-ish for New England, so I'm going to take Miami to cover, but I definitely expect New England to go into Miami and kind of exercise those demons and win this game. Next 1 o'clock game, got the Colts at the Texans. 1 o'clock, Texans favored by 5. Johnny's going to take Houston minus 5, and I'm actually going to go on the other side here. I'm going to take the Colts to cover the 5. Um, Deshaun Watson has been playing pretty well right now. Johnny says he's a believer in Houston. You know, it's hard to dispute that, winning 9 straight games. They haven't lost since week 3 of the NFL season. They are probably the hottest team in the NFL right now. They are charging for that one seed. If they can get this win here, and if either Kansas City or New England slip up, Houston is in prime position to pounce on that first-round bye, which would be huge for them. Indianapolis side of things, though, I think they're primed to bounce back after last week's stinker. Shut out for the first time in Andrew Luck's career. You know, J.J. Watt's dealing with a bit of a knee injury. It's going to be a shootout, I think. Uh, the over is something I would definitely look out here. You know, Houston's defense is pretty decent, and Indianapolis has shown a better defense than in previous years. Still, the two quarterbacks airing it out. You know they're going to take risks. They're going to be home run balls thrown. I'm going to take the Colts to cover in a close one, but I'm going to take Houston to win. Next game, Philadelphia at Dallas, 425 on Sunday. Dallas favored by 3.5. I'm going to take Dallas plus the points here. Um, some kind of long overdue respect, I think, towards Dallas. You know, we've done nothing. I've done nothing but dog on them since the Amari Cooper trade. Dak just hasn't looked great at all. Well, Dak's been playing as well as he's ever had. Uh, look at some stats here. After the Amari Cooper trade, Dak Prescott's completion percentage is up to 70%. His passing yards game is up to 250. He's only thrown one pick to his five touchdowns since then. Passer rating of 102.4. He only threw eight touchdowns before Amari Cooper got to Dallas. I don't think Amari Cooper's worth a first-round pick, and I definitely don't think he's really that great of a receiver when compared to other number ones in the league. 
but he just seems to be the perfect fit for Dallas. And, you know, that's sometimes what it is. It is all about uh, who your players are in this league. It's a player's league for sure. Talent wins. But Amari Cooper has just come in and filled the role that they needed perfectly. They just needed someone for the defense to respect on the outside and to make some plays, and he's done that. So some credit there to Dallas. On the Philly side of things, a very they won last week against the Redskins, but not really that impressive of a win. I mean, they let Adrian Peterson gash them for a 90-yard run. Mark Sanchez was in there, and they couldn't seem to really take control of the game. I don't know. Philly's just, it's a down year for them. You know, I see, I guess typical Super Bowl hangover type of year. Dallas plus the points for me. Johnny's going to be on the other side. He's going to take Philly with the three and a half. Uh, he's actually going to take Philly to win this game. You know, he's mentioning that the Eagles really need to win this game and they've got a tough schedule remaining to try and stay in the race for the division. I just don't see it. I just think that this Dallas defense is going to shut down the Philly offense. Philly's defense has been awful the past couple weeks. I'm on Dallas on this game. Moving forward to Sunday night, a banger. This is going to be a great game. Los Angeles Rams at the Chicago Bears. Rams are going to be favored by three and a half. Going to be a very fun game. I think Trubisky's coming back for this one. Let's see how healthy he is. Aqib Tlaib returned for the Rams last week, and their defense already seemed to be better. Uh, the thing I worry about, though, is Jared Goff. You know, last week he only went 17-33 for 201 yards, had one touchdown, one pick, just a very mediocre performance against Detroit, who's not the best defense. Still, the Rams put up 30 points and won by 14. This team just has so much firepower. I'm going to take the Rams minus the three and a half, and Johnny is as well. You know, the Cowboys being the Saints last week, maybe this is a bit of a trap game for the Rams. I don't really see that, but I think the Rams are just going to overpower them. Eddie Jackson's been having a hell of a year for Chicago, though. Uh, probably an all-pro safety type year. Also an interesting matchup. This is the top rushing offense versus the top rushing defense, according to DVOA. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Rams can get Gurley going. I think whoever wins that battle is probably going to win the game, and I, I'm just going to bet on Gurley and the Rams. There's just too much history there. They're so reliable. Sean McVay is amazing. Defense is finally playing a bit better. I think Trubisky might not be his usual self. I don't think we'll see the arm at 100%. So I'm going to take, we're both going to take Rams minus the three half. Final game, Monday night, Minnesota at Seattle. Another really awesome and intriguing game. Some huge wild card implications here. Seattle has really turned it on, um, favored by three and a half points at home in the clink. Johnny's going to take Minnesota plus the three and a half. Uh, he likes what Seattle's been doing with the run game and knows, and Minnesota is really coming into this game. They got to win this to stay in the race. He's going to take Minnesota to win actually as well. And I think I'm feeling this upset too. Uh, Minnesota's area, it's kind of a contrasting styles game. It's Minnesota's area assault versus Seattle's ground approach and Diggs and Thielen, I think, just too much. You know, this isn't the Legion of Boom back there. There's not Richard Sherman back there. I think those wide receivers are going to be able to make some plays in the Seattle defense. I also think the Minnesota defense just might be too much for Russell Wilson and the Hawks. There's a lot of good players on that defense. They got a pretty decent rushing defense against that Seattle rushing attack, which really is about 10th in the league, according to DVOA. It's a solid rushing attack, but it's not tops in the league by any means. So I'm going to take Minnesota here. It's going to be a fun game, though. Awesome coaches going at it. Um, some good quarterbacks going at it, too. Just talent all over the field. Monday Night Football is going to be fun this week. We are both taking Minnesota plus the 3.5 and, and to win in an upset.
All right, guys, that was it. Quick show. Um, a lot to get to, though, so hopefully that was easy to unpack. We're going to be back next week. Hopefully Johnny's back and we're able to get this thing going like we usually do. For your Army-Navy pick, uh, just go Navy here. Navy's been dominating this series. Army is up, but we're going to go Navy. We're going to be doing a, a bowl show here soon. Preview some of the regular bowls, and of course we'll get a New Year's Six Bowl as things move along. And then it's almost draft season. It's very exciting with the Senior Bowl coming up. So we're going to have a lot more draft content coming for you. Uh, some player rankings, all kinds of stuff like that. So it's going to be a fun time here on the East vs. West podcast. Even though football is ending, we're going to be hitting our stride kind of. This is why we're here. The NFL draft is why we love NFL and college football. The melding of the two worlds. It's just a lot of fun. And we can't wait for it. So until then, I'm Jake Schwanitz. See you guys later.